0: It's time for episode 101 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, August 26, 2015. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome to episode 101 of Clockwise Either the Worst Thing in the World, an introductory course and how clocks work. I am your host, Jason Snell. I'm not joined by my co-host, Dan Morin, who is on assignment in the state of Washington today. Uh, so that, you know, what that means that means I have three fantastic guests that I get to introduce to you. To my left is Allison Sheridan, host of the uh, Nozilla cast. We've had you on before and you're back. Thank you for coming Yay! back. Yay. Very excited. Fun group. To Allison's left, see what I did there. Is Casey Liss of the Accidental Tech Podcast and on Relay FM, the Analog Podcast. Hi, Casey. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are
1: you? I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: And to Casey's left is, uh, you know her from the I'm War show and uh, many various incomparable podcasts. It is Serenity Caldwell. hello.
2: Hello. How are you doing, Jason?
0: I'm doing great. How are you?
2: I'm doing well.
0: Excellent. Okay, we're in triple digits now. It's it's a, it's a whole wow. new world for those of us here at Clockwise. Uh, I'm going to have to get used to saying 100 and something for episode titles. It's crazy. Uh, but anyway, the format doesn't change for technology topics in 30 minutes or less. And uh, since I'm the only host this week, I will go first. It would be weird if Dan went now, because he's not here. <laughs> uh, my question is, it's kind of this weird conceptual question I wanted to ask all of you. Uh, imagine you could only own one uh, technology device, one computing device among a computer, an iPad, or or an iPhone, or you know some other tablet or smartphone. Um, if you could only live pick one, and the rest of them you had to disavow forever, what would be the one that you would choose, and why? And let's start
3: with. Allison. This is such a mean question. It is. You know, I've, I've got the watch and the phone and the iPad and the small MacBook and a bigger MacBook Pro. But I would have to say just my MacBook Pro um, because it's kind of the superset doing everything that uh, all the other devices can do. And I'm assuming I still get to keep things like iMessage and everything that works through uh, because the phone exists. But uh, I, I couldn't do my podcast certainly without it. And uh, if I had to have one thing, it would it would have to have a real keyboard on it, I'm afraid. Yeah, I
0: mean, technically, you could have a Bluetooth keyboard for some other device, and that would be not cheating, but almost oh, cheating. Okay. But yeah. I, I think it's a good answer.
1: You know, I have to give a uh, verbal high-five to Allison on that one. I agree that my MacBook Pro would have to be it because I can do pretty much everything on my MacBook Pro. I cannot easily, anyway, do everything on any of my other devices. And, I mean, I make my living through what I do on the computer. And I know a lot of us say that, but I I, I do that directly insofar as... um, Well, I guess all of you do. But anyways, uh, I write code for a living, and so that's what I do. And I can't really do that on an iPhone or an iPad. As much as I adore both my iPhone and my iPad... Has to be the MacBook Pro.
2: Yeah, I. All right. So here's my question: Can I can I get an LTE dongle? Does that count as a device? <laughs> sure, sure. No,
0: no. You can add. You can add on things all you like. You can.
2: Okay. That's all a right. Clever so in that, to I mean,
0: get around my question, but yes. That's,
2: <laughs> well, no. I mean, my my main thing about having computing power is that the the one big advantage that the iPhone and the iPad have is uh, internet everywhere. And, um, I, you know, I've been traveling a lot this year, and I'm going to continue to travel. I'm traveling this weekend. And being able to at, have the Internet in your hands at all times has become kind of kind of crucial in this day and age. Uh, and so the idea of living without my iPhone, that's the only thing that really scares me. Like, <laughs> I, I actually, you know, I love my touch screen, but at the same time, I get along very well with a Mac and with a hardware keyboard, and I have for some time. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna buck the trend here. I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna keep my little trusty 11 inch MacBook Air, but I'm gonna add a little donkle to it. I forgot about the internet when I
3: answered. Good, good call, Serenity.
0: Yeah, but you know, those <laughs> products are available. Yeah, you can't tether from your phone, can you? Because you don't have. Yeah, because you don't I took have your it phone. Because <laughs> I'm a mean person. Because I, I, you're the worst. I, I, I do this. I like to do this check-in because I feel like as much as we talk about how people and we are maybe not the most representative because we we have particular things in our industries, but I think other people have them in theirs too. Um, we're not at the point yet where you could just easily go, oh yeah, I'm just going to have a tablet. I'm fine. Or I'm just going to have a, a, a smartphone, maybe a bigger smartphone. And that's all I'm ever going to need. I, you know, we all end up relying on our computers too for things that you can't do on the other devices. So if you had to choose one, you end up going back. I feel the same way. Although I will say, I think if I was not a podcaster, I would probably choose an iPad with an external keyboard and cellular connection and use that. But as a podcaster, I can't do that because the technology is just not good enough on the, on the tablets yet to do editing and recording and things like that. But it's close. But instead, yeah, I would choose my MacBook Air 2. And I would have to uh, attach it to an LTE something or other for cellular <laughs> data that just, uh, the, we'll call that the uh, serenity method. Uh, okay. Anyway, thank you. We've proven something here. I'm not quite sure what it is. Let's move on to our next topic. Allison, what do you have for us? Well,
3: I have a question. All of you are very high-end Apple users, and I'm curious, do you ever call Apple Care yourself for software support? So I guess that would be to Casey. Uh,
1: no, I have never done so. I, in fact, I had accidentally poured water on my wife's um, MacBook Air <clears throat> twice. Accidental. Yeah, exactly. Because that was my podcasting computer, computer for a long time. And I took it to the local Apple store, which is all of, I don't know, maybe five miles from where I am. And I thought that was a perfectly reasonable approach. But um, I had some people that are Apple employees, both corporate and retail, that said, you know what, you really could have just called Apple Care, and they probably would have, you know, set you up straight with either, you know, getting the whatever return information you need to just drop it off at the store, or perhaps send you a box. I mean, obviously, I don't know how it works. But in summary, perhaps I should have tried there first rather than going to the store. I just I don't know. I like seeing people. I like being face to face with people as they look at me and shake their heads and say, perhaps you shouldn't have water near your computer after all, sir. <laughs> I would never have called for software support. And honestly, I don't think I ever would. I would just Google or ask a friend. Um, that's why you have to know ex geniuses like Stephen Hackett, because they'll be able to help you when uh, you can't help
0: yourself. Poor Stephen. He got bumped on the head and is
2: no longer a genius.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly,
2: yeah, you know I, um, I will occasionally call Applecare, but more as a uh, I'm writing a how-to article and I want to confirm mm-hmm. that something does or does not work. So my uh, my use case for Apple Care is probably a little bit different than uh, than your average consumer um, or user. However, yeah, I don't know. I I kind of feel like in this day and age, a lot of a lot of people's software questions, are answered very quickly with a quick trip to the Googs. And even honestly, even <laughs> Apple's support site is very much um, when you go to Apple.com support, there's a whole like list where you it's you like select your product and select what type of product you're using and what problem you're you're having with it. And more often than not, they try and send you to a help document before they send you to email or call support. Um, So it, I don't know. Does does it count if you're using AppleCare's website, which I (laughs) which I use often? I mean, that's still it's still AppleCare. You're still interacting with AppleCare. You're just not necessarily talking to a human
0: we may not be the most representative set but i feel the same way which is i don't i don't even read documentation i kind of feel like it's a personal challenge to just be able to figure it out when it comes out of the, when the software comes out of the box cuz i'm an old person and i still use that metaphor when i first get a piece of hardware or software i don't look somebody was gave me a hard time cuz they were like you know if you that's not a tip if you had read the instructions that come with the apple watch you would have known that you could double tap on the crown to go back to the last used app I'm like, yeah, I don't read the things. That doesn't happen. It's a sign of
3: weakness, or something. Yeah, that
0: is no. Well, and I kind of like the idea that if you can figure out a product without reading the documentation, that that says something about the design of it. That it's um, it's dare I say intuitive. Um, so no, no, I've never I've never used Apple Care for anything ever. Um, hardware or software. Uh, one time I had a hardware problem that was really weird and I talked to a contact in Apple PR about it because I wanted to know if this was a bigger problem and I actually fell through a wormhole into the Apple's VIP care where they were like, they were concerned about this system and they wanted to get their hands on it. And suddenly I was in like the behind the velvet rope where they're like, <laughs> yes, sir, we're going to send a box to your house and you're going to put the computer in the box. And then we're going to, and it was like, whoa, this is apparently what happens when famous people have problems with Apple hardware. That happened one time. That was just like flying, flying first class when you've never done it before. It's like, whoa. But other than that, never, ever. Ever. I'm like one of those people. I'm like one of those guys who doesn't ask for uh, directions is just going to find their way to the place, even though they're mm-hmm. hopelessly lost. That's mm-hmm. that's this is what I'm saying is that's me.
3: I had a feeling you guys would answer that way. And and I would have answered that way, except a couple of times recently, I, I've been fighting with something for weeks, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of problems. And I've done all the Googling I can. And in desperation, I've called AppleCare and they knew the answer. And so it occurs to me that maybe we're wasting a lot of time when we do this. My best example was uh, I had an Apple TV that would I would rent a movie and it would say uh, give me a minute and then it would say six hours and forty two minutes to it could uh, give me the movie or three hours and seventeen minutes. And so I would uh, I would ask for my money back. They'd give me my money back. I'd go over to Amazon buy it rent it there. And then this happened again and again and again. Finally, just on a lark, I called Apple and they said, "Oh yeah, there's this secret reset that isn't any other." resets you know about. It's this, it's like a cheat code on a a game console kind of thing where, you know, down, down, up, up, left, left, lift your right (laughs) foot up kind of thing. And it fixed the problem. And I, and I posted a, a blog post about it. I gave you a link. I don't know if you post links or not. And I mean, it was amazing. But I never would have found that through the Googling, because, and I never did. I had another problem where I was, um, for weeks, my my uh, calendar just seemed to be sucking up all my CPU power. And I searched and searched and searched and asked everybody I could think of. I went way, way out there. And finally, I called Apple, and they, uh, they escalated me. It was three levels by the time I got to a guy that said there was this bizarre problem with... Um, Microsoft, not Outlook, what was the one before Outlook? Entourage? Yeah. Where Entourage... If you've ever opened it, which I apparently opened it out of curiosity <laughs> once, it got in this endless loop with uh, iCal and the two of them, one would send the invitation to the other, to the other, to the other, and it would never stop. And he dug me down into some really crazy libraries that I'd never seen before. And I'm pretty comfortable in the library, just crazy stuff. So it occurs to me that sometimes maybe we should call Apple Care, especially if you're paying for it like I do. I pay for it for the hardware supports. So. We're halfway done. Thank you. That was a great topic.
0: We've got two more topics to go. That means it's halftime. So I have to tell you about our sponsor. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Slackline. So many of us are using Slack these days, including the people at Relay FM, to get our work done. It's a great tool, it lets you collaborate with other people. But here's a question What if you wanted to talk to people that are outside of your own? Slack team mind blown that's what Slackline does it is a magical piece of software it lets you connect different slack teams together in shared channels now slack helps so many of us move away from email slackline can help take that another step by allowing people to communicate no matter what slack team they're a part of say you're in a company you're partnering with an external design agency on a product on a project uh, you're in completely different locations you both rely on slack how do you work together uh, right now you'd have to leave your own Slack and create some other DMZ for you to talk in, that's where Slackline comes in. It can be great for helping create and manage large communities or social groups. It can span multiple companies, organizations, or teams. It makes collaboration easy. Once you've created a shared channel, you just invite other teams to join and start working together in Slack. No longer do you have to wade through emails. Slackline can help you out. Slackline have a bunch of great pricing plans to help fit the size of your business and offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. You can try Slackline out risk-free. And as a special offer for listeners of Clockwise, you can get 25% off your first month. Go to slackline.io Clockwise to find out more and get started. Thank you so much to Slackline for their support of Clockwise. All right. Halftime is now over. Casey, it's your turn. What's your topic?
1: Excellent. So, uh, we are approaching the end of the summer, but a lot of us are traveling like, uh, said earlier, or have traveled this summer. Uh, what is your must have travel app or accessory, physical accessory?
2: Gosh, I've been thinking about this, um, for a while. Okay. So I'll start with physical accessory because that one's easier. Um, I actually, all right, it's a tie. I really like Ten One <laughs> Designs Mounty, which is like this this little tiny contraption that sticks on your laptop that allows you to basically merge your laptop and your phone into one super screen. So it's just it's like a little dongle. It just snaps onto the side of your Mac, and then you can either, depending on the insert you put in it, you can either attach your iPhone or attach your your iPad to it. And it sounds ridiculous. But it's really useful when you're, say, working on an airport or an airplane, and you don't have a lot of physical space to put things down. Um, and you'd rather, you know, obviously having to touch screens in the air is a little bit hard uh, rather than just like holding it in your hand. But I like it a lot better. Um, as for app, oh god, that that is hard. I don't know. I, I don't really have a, a favorite travel app. It used to be Flight Track, um, but I, I'm finding I'm, I'm using that a lot less. Can I say Passbook? Passbook is great. I love being able to, it's a built-in app, but, you know, being able to uh, get through security with, uh, with online boarding passes probably makes my life a million times easier.
1: Yeah, that Passbook I didn't think of. That's a really good answer.
0: Yeah, that is good. This is, this is a tricky question. I am going to refer people to the show notes where you'll see a link to my story for iMore. About about a road trip that I just took a two thousand mile road trip uh, up to Seattle and back and I've mentioned that on the show before. So picking out of there, I'd say app wise, um, we got a lot of use out of Yelp. Honestly, I mean Yelp is using Yelp is kind of an art because everybody there's always going to be a negative review, but uh, sometimes the positive reviews and the negative reviews both tell you things about whether this place is uh, worth going to and lets you filter out the stuff that seems like you're just not interested. Um, and we managed to not eat at a chain restaurant essentially. I mean, there were a couple of local chains with like two locations or whatever, but we we didn't eat at a chain restaurant on the entire ten day trip, and all our meals were good. So I would say Yelp and uh, I'll throw in iExit if you're on a freeway. I still use iExit some because it recognizes what freeway you're on and it groups uh, upcoming point, uh, points of interest by freeway exit, which if you're on a long drive on an interstate, that's very useful. So I'll throw that in there. And then uh, in terms of hardware, uh, I've got a, uh, a Skosh 2 USB charger in our in our in uh, front of our minivan so that we can plug in iPhones and keep them charged or iPads. And I bring, I have a a little, it's like a power strip uh, block from Belkin it's got three power outlets. It swivels so that you can get the right angle in a weird hotel room. You plug it in, and then you can kind of rotate the whole block around as needed. And it's got a couple of USB ports on the end. And I've had that for several years now, and that's great because you can take one port in a hotel room and get three plugs plus two USB ports out of it um, with the with the swiveling. So that's the those are those are my choices.
3: I have that same Belkin uh, device, and that that is a fantastic one. But um, I'm going to pick uh, my Verizon MiFi with which I have. Have a love hate relationship. I love that I get wicked fast speeds. It's awesome. I can share a, a secure network with my family. Anybody traveling with me. The hate part is, I am desperately trying to figure out what the heck is chewing up all of the data. In I, I go through. Uh, we went through nine gigabytes in three days. And we don't know why. We're not sure what caused it. So I've been on a hunt to try to figure out what I had running. I mean, I turned off Crash Plan, I turned off uh, iCloud Photo Library, you know, I did. we didn't stream music, we didn't play videos, I've not been able to figure out what it is. So I just got uh, Trip Mode from TripMode.ch, which is a little uh, menu bar app that you have to run on each device, but it allow you, allows you on each Mac, I should say, it allows you to uh, measure by application, um, they have to request access to the internet. So everything is blocked until you tell it, yes, you can talk to the internet. So hopefully if something like Crash Band kicks off, even though I thought I had it off, it won't get to kick off and I'll be able to say, no, 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 you don't get to talk to the internet today. Um, it's seven bucks, I think, yeah. per, uh, per seat. And uh, I am hopeful that my, my uh, Verizon MyFi data plan will last more than three days in the future.
1: That leaves me. Um, I'm going to uh, refer you to my website, Uh, two different links. Uh, The first is GoPack, uh, which is the pack of materials that I have. So I'm cheating on my own question. It's uh, just a Tom Bin organizer pouch that has USB cables and HDMI cable and a bunch of other junk in it. Um, That is my physical thing. So since it all gets contained in one object, I'm counting it. Um, As far as travel app, um, I'm really actually interested to try iExit because I've not tried that and that sounds really useful. Um, And I loved uh, Serenity's passbook call. But I would like to point out um, underscore David Smith's Take Me There, which is an extremely simple app. And the, the premise is you set up a bunch of almost like geographic bookmarks. And I've written about this on my website as well. We'll put a link in the show notes. So you set up these bookmarks. And once you set them up, it has one button labeled Go. And the idea is it will navigate you to that bookmark. So, what I do is if I'm going on a trip, like I'm actually going away uh, briefly this weekend, I'll put in the the hotel and any of the other places I'm planning on going. And then, via my phone or my watch, I can just say, Take me there. And it will start directions to that location, which is really, really convenient. So, you don't really have to worry about, Okay, what was the address again? Where is this hotel? Am I in this city or that city? Um, You can just say, Take me to the hotel. and It will do it, and it's a really, really great, really simple app. Really love it.
0: All right, that's good. Good tips, all. If you are trying to get a uh, summer road trip together, a uh, little travel before my kids uh, today is the first day of school, so uh, summer's over, I guess. But oh,
1: congratulations! Uh, if not, crazy.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh no, they're out of the house. It's great, uh, Serenity. <laughs> it's your turn. What's your topic?
2: All right. Um, well, there's a nasty rumor going around that uh, Apple's one to one program may not be around much longer. Um, Apple's one-on-one program for people who do not know is a really cool training opportunity for people who are new Mac owners where you can pay $99 for a year's subscription of 50-minute one-on-one classes with a trainer at an Apple store, as well as access to a bunch of exclusive workshops. Now, not only is this really cool, but I was actually a, a one-on-one trainer for a few years. So hearing that they might be discontinuing this like made me made me very sad, and I wrote something on iMore about it. And I'm just curious. had you guys... Have you heard of one-to-one before this? Do you know what the program is? Do you, like, is it something that you're going to miss or care much about? Are you, do you think that workshops are better in this day and age for Apple retail?
0: So my mom um, has done some one-to-one when she's bought new stuff. And it, usually she buys something new and they say, oh, you could sign up for our one-to-one. And she does it for a little while and then she stops. Um, but she definitely did do it, which is probably the only um, tech training she's ever had so I'm glad that it existed, even though I think she didn't use it as much as she could have because she lives kind of far from the Apple store. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm a, a, of two minds on this. One is that with modern technology, you can do some pretty amazing training, um, right on devices. And I, I, sometimes I think that, um, building hooks in to let, like with iOS nine uh, supporting picture in picture, uh, you might actually be able to watch an instructional video while you're stepping through how to use your iPhone or your iPad. Uh, that which would be kind of cool um Uh, I guess that's only your iPad, right? Anyway, so uh, I'm intrigued by that. At the same time, a lot of people don't learn that way. And so having something like this in the Apple Store was a good idea. It does feel like an original Apple Store idea that Apple has kind of moved past with the popularity of the Apple Stores and what they're trying to do in the Apple retail stores. Um, This sounds more like a, uh, you know, when Apple was getting started with retail idea, which I think it was. Um, So I'm not surprised if it goes away. It's going to, I wonder if this is an opportunity for something like user groups to come back and add some relevance by uh, potentially even working with Apple retail stores in their areas to say, if you want to learn more about this thing, there is a group that meets every month or whatever, uh, and you can go see them. But, um, you know, it's sort of sad. But at the same time, if it it goes away, I kind of understand why. Um, But, you know, some people need to learn in this fashion and uh, online resources aren't going to be enough for them.
3: You know, I had a friend at the gym who is, uh, or still have a friend at the gym who is incredibly bad at technology, incredibly illiterate in technology. And she bought a Mac and uh, she went, did the one-on-one thing and she powered through and she went to that. I think you can go, I forget, as often as you want, I think, except you got to be able to get an appointment. It was very, very difficult to book an appointment. So I don't think that it's, if it's going away, it's not at least at our Apple store because nobody's using it. But within about, I don't know, three or four months, she had made a photo book using her Mac. And I mean, this is a woman who couldn't quite figure out how to do email when she started. So it certainly was really, really valuable to her. Um, That is the only example I know of somebody who used it. I know people who've bought it and never used it.
1: Yeah, I knew that the one-to-one was a thing. However, I thought it was just one-off, like, oh, I want to take this class and it's a freebie. I didn't realize that it was the sort of thing where you had to pay for it and and you have like a subscription to it or or however it works. But um, it's kind of sad if that is going away because I think one of the things that's so great about Apple and their retail presence is how approachable not only the retail store is, or maybe used to be, but also the company is, because you know that you can go and get help from a human being. I mean, just a little while ago, I was saying I'd rather go into the Apple store than call someone. Um, so if it does go away, I'll be pretty, I'll be kind of bummed about it, even though it didn't directly affect me. But I don't know. If it's going away, it must be for a decent reason.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've got to assume that this is part of a move to kind of rejigger the Apple stores. You think about what Apple stores were in the you know in the early 2000s when they launched um, were very much evangelist sites, right? They were to get people in and using Macintoshes and getting people familiar with the platform. And as more and more people are using Macs and using iPhones and that becomes more of our daily vocabulary, it could be that it's just one of those things where Apple doesn't feel like they have to be an evangelist anymore, that the, the users can be the evangelists and they've given training to all of these wonderful people who now have the ability to, you know, to like Allison said, to, to make photo books and to, the, I mean, the thing that really touched one-to-one and made it so special to me is that we weren't necessarily teaching people, like we weren't lecturing at people. We weren't like, this is how you make a movie. We were really instructing people how to learn about their computers and how to, how to look for help and how to, how to take control of their computer's Um, So that when they left and when they went home, they didn't feel completely useless. Like, we were training them to really, really use their computers. And I worry that without that, you know, there will be user groups and and stuff like that. But I I don't know who will step up. I hope someone does. There is Linda, but it's like, people have to be taught to look for these things before, you know, new Mac users don't know that Linda exists. Uh, My mother, for a long time, didn't know that Google really existed. Um, So... Yeah, I, I'm really sad about this if this is the case. I'm not surprised because I do think that the Apple stores need to sort of shift a little bit to serve a different market. But, yeah, it's just sad.
0: Maybe in the development of the, the whatever group is developing, for example, the Tips app for iOS, maybe there's some effort, concerted effort Apple could put into having some on-device prodding to teach you things or send you to places to learn. Uh, maybe. I don't know. That's four topics down. We just have time for our bonus topic this week. Uh bonus topic this week brought to you by MailRoute. If you imagine a world without spam, viruses, or bounced email, you are imagining MailRoute. Imagine opening your email every day and seeing only good mail, not junk. MailRoute works without any hardware or software that you need to install or maintain. It sits between your mail server and the mean old internet full of bad stuff, and it takes in all your mail, knows with its smart software uh, what mail is good and what mail is bad, passes the good mail onto your mail server, and holds the rest in a little holding bin, sends you a little message saying, here's what I filtered out. I love looking at the subject lines of those because it's like, uh, yeah, what what are the spammers saying this week? What's the zeitgeist of spammers? Uh, it's a lot of fun, but I never have to see the mail because it's all junk and MailRoute uh, saves me from having to see it. If you're an email administrator or an IT pro, they've got all the tools that you need. There's an API for easy account management and support for LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, mailbagging, outbound relay, everything you'd want from the people who handle your mail. And you can start a risk-free trial with no credit card required. You sign up, you pull your MX records for your domain at MailRoute so that all the mail flows through them. And that's it. Your mail server, mailbox all completely protected. It's simple, effective, so why not give it a try? All listeners to Clockwise can receive 10% off for the lifetime of your account at MailRoute. Go to mailroute.net slash clockwise now and thank you to MailRoute for sponsoring Clockwise and the bonus question. The bonus question is this. Uh, As I said, my son went back to school today. Um, Labor Day is just around the corner and I ask you all, is there anything left on your summer to-do list? Something you want to do before the summer is truly over? Allison?
3: Wine tasting in San Ynez Valley. Are you doing that? Yes.
0: Oh, good. Okay, good. I like accomplishing things on your summer to do list. That's yeah. Because nice. I already
3: washed all my windows, so I'm good for that. I got that. Done. <laughs> all right, Casey. Um, This coming
1: weekend, actually, Aaron and I, um, it's her birthday weekend, and we're celebrating her birthday weekend by going to Washington, D.C., specifically to Dulles and getting our baby son uh, global entry. So we have his interview (laughs) because even a a nine-month-old needs to get interviewed by the government if he would like global entry. So we are doing that on her birthday this coming Monday, but we're making a small little trip out of it. So that'll be good, and I'm looking forward to that.
3: Does he get fingerprinted?
1: Um, there's conflicting reports on this, but the short answer is sometimes, but even, even if he does, it usually
0: doesn't work. <laughs> I look forward to the transcript of his interview. Serenity, yeah. what's your, uh, what?
2: I too am getting a global entry tomorrow, which is kind of funny, <laughs> nice. um, but going on vacation. I have not been on vacation since last November. Um, and my brain is starting to fry. So starting next Monday, I'll be going on a week's vacation where I will uh, theoretically not think about technology for a week. And I'm really excited about that.
0: Well, congratulations. On my summer to-do list, we've got a we've got a concert that's happening in a in a beer garden in a parking lot in a shopping mall, but I'm still looking forward to it. It's weird. It's worlds within worlds. There's a concert at the center of it. There's beer. And there's beer. Exactly right. And uh, and then next weekend, we have our first college football game. So I guess that's the official end of summer.
1: <laughs> oh, good call. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when our first one is, but it's soon for it's sure. It's soon.
0: I know. I know. Uh, well, that's it. All the topics are done. All the bonuses are done. All the sponsors have been read. All that is left is for me to thank my guests. Allison Sheridan, thank you so much for being back on Clockwise. Thank you. It was a blast. Good times. Casey Liss, thank you. You are a man with many podcasts these days. I appreciate that this is one of them for this week.
1: Uh, It's my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Serenity Caldwell, pleasure as always to be on podcasts with you. We should be on more podcasts.
2: We really should. You know, we do not have enough. We're on enough separately. (laughs) Good
0: Lord, we are. And uh, that's it. I've been your host, Jason Snell. And we want to all remind you, as always, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye,
2: everybody. (laughs) Bye, everybody.
3: And and keep keep watching watching the
1: the clock. clock. Oh my God, (laughs) we're such disasters. (laughs) I think it was worse. Yeah. Oh God, that's awesome.